The second reading is in Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 26. He, that's Jesus, also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or get up, gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say of the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Thanks, Pete, and thanks, Sue. I'm just going to move this stand over a little bit. Don't need it? Awesome. Just in case I flail my arms wildly in the middle of a sermon. Who knows? Uh, hello everyone, my name is Sam Foster, for those of you that don't know me. I'm one of the youth pastors here at Richmond Anglican, uh, and Rick <clears throat> has asked me to open God's Word and try my best to help us all to understand it a little bit better uh, this morning, and so that's what we're going to do in just a moment. Uh, but before we get to that, I would love to pray, so please join me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Please speak through me this morning and open all of our hearts to receive you and what you have to teach us today. Please guard our hearts and minds from distraction as we focus on your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We finished our study of Samuel. Uh, and before we continue on to study Acts, uh, which we actually read in our non-sermon reading and have been reading for the past couple of weeks, uh, so you already have a bit of a head start on your reading of that book. Before we get into that, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a detour and we're going to look at two parables this morning. Two parables in which Jesus is going to help us understand the way that the kingdom of God grows. The parable of the growing seeds and the parable of the mustard seed. And Pete Huxley was kind enough to hand me as I walked in the door um, a little packet of mustard seeds. So if you can't see them, that's the point. Uh, I'm going to leave that there. We'll get to that in a bit. But before we get into all of that, I want you all to picture in your minds a kingdom. Close your eyes if it helps. Uh, just make sure that you open them again in a moment. This isn't nap time. What you might be picturing is a prospering nation of humble people, perhaps a people who help each other because life is peaceful and happy and it feels safe. Perhaps when we zoom into the center of this kingdom that you're thinking of, there's towering spires of harshly cut stone forming a glorious castle shining in the midday sun. Perhaps this castle is on top of a hill. 
The stone of the walls appear to be almost made of metal because they're so finely crafted. Strength radiates from within this glorious fortress city. Soldiers stand ready on the walls, a steady stream of visitors, tradespeople, and those seeking refuge are lining up at the gates to gain entrance into this wondrous place. We zoom in further, and in the very center, enthroned in his castle, is a mighty warrior king, sitting on his throne in full armor, someone with power, a hero, a strategist, the strongest warrior. Can you picture this glorious kingdom? If you had your eyes closed, open them. Because this is not what the kingdom of God is like. In today's parable, we're told about God's kingdom. A kingdom that is not like that. And in fact, these parables, Jesus is telling the people, in these parables, Jesus is telling the people that God's kingdom is not anything like what they think it is or what they think it should be and if we look back on the events leading up to this we get a picture of the context we can understand why this is kind of necessary john the baptist appears in the wilderness preaching and teaching that the kingdom of god is near repent be baptized for the savior is coming and people start to listen they hear about this crazy guy they go out they listen it makes sense they get baptized and then Jesus comes onto the scene, proclaiming the resolution of the promises made in the Old Testament. He is the one that people have been waiting for. He gathers people to himself and promises that the kingdom of God has arrived. He performs miracles, signposts which point to the great reality that he is the son of God. And some people start to get alongside him. But as we're hearing him teach these parables today, the religious teachers at the time look at the signs that he's performing and they've started to say that he's doing them, healing people, turning water to wine and so much more, under the power of demons. And in fact, just before this in Mark chapter 3, it tells us of how Jesus' own family turns up. And they try and quietly take Jesus away, get him out of the spotlight. Into this moment, Jesus begins to speak by the lake and he tells parables. I think the people who had been following him around would have been thinking, where is this kingdom of God that you keep talking about? Jesus, you say that you're the savior, but where is your sword? Where is your crown? Where is your army? Because the people had a picture of what the kingdom of God was meant to be. It probably wasn't that dissimilar to the fantasy that we started with. A prospering nation with a great warrior king defeating all his enemies. But Jesus wasn't there to lead an army. No. Jesus came to sow seeds. Jesus describes what the kingdom of God is like in our first parable. Uh, if you have your Bibles open, this is Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 26. The kingdom of God is like a man scattering seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how 
All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. The kingdom of God is not like a great nation ruled by a warrior king, not a thriving metropolis, not a powerful army. It's like seeds scattered on the ground by a man. And whether this man just goes to bed or gets up, the seeds grow. He doesn't really have any idea how it happened. It does. The seeds grow and they grow into a glorious harvest. Now, I think I know what you might be thinking. Uh, Seeds and farmers and planting crops and harvesting. How is this what the kingdom of God is like? Well, I think when we look at parables, it's important not to get too caught up in making analogous connections between like, oh, this represents that and this represents that. While sometimes that has merit, it's important to look at what is happening. What do we see happening in this parable? We see growth. Growth caused not by the person throwing out seeds, whilst that is an important step, but rather outside of that person's knowledge. We see growth that the person planting cannot comprehend. Sure, he probably watered the seeds. He probably cared for them a bit. He might have even tilled the soil before he threw them out. But this is not the parable of the hyper-efficient farmhand. It's the parable of the growing seeds. In this, we see how God's kingdom grows. And it's not because of us. It's not the farmer. It's not his long toiling under the sun. It's not his great effort. And in fact, we're told that he's completely dumb in the face of why his plants are growing. If we're to try and apply that, it's not the preacher who expands God's kingdom. It's not the youth pastor. It's not the teacher in school. It's not any one of you sitting in a chair today. It's not anyone watching on the live stream at home. It's God that is responsible for the growth of his kingdom. The Apostle Paul that we read about in Acts acknowledges this in his letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. In God's kingdom, don't overestimate yourself. The Apostle Paul knew that he couldn't take credit for anything. The same must be true for us. This man who wrote most of the New Testament spread the gospel. Without him, we probably wouldn't know about Jesus. And yet he acknowledges that he did nothing. It was all God. We're told in Colossians 3 that we need to do everything for the glory of God. We can't add a little caveat on the end of that and say, and myself. It doesn't work that way. Does anyone here consider themselves a gardener? Anyone here into gardening? 
I had a couple of people raise their hands at the uh, 8.30 a.m. service, so quite a few people. There's a few people here. Uh, well, I would need to put my hand kind of below the stage. I'm not really much of a gardener. Uh, but during COVID, strange things happen. Am I right? Um, and I, I kind of started a little hobby beforehand, uh, but I got into bonsai trees. Uh, I have a few different ones. I have a, a fig, I have an elm, I have a cedar, all these little trees that I've bought uh, and tried to take care of. Uh, and I thought to myself, towards the end of last year, that you know what would be cool? If I tried to grow a bonsai tree from scratch, like from seeds, because then I, a part of the whole process, I thought it would be great. Um, I went online, like people my age tend to do, typing away. Uh, I got some seeds, a little bit of an impulse purchase. I uh, got some rare ones from Tasmania that only grow in slow, cold climates. Um, I watched videos about how to get them to grow. I read instructions. I followed all the steps. I had to like separate these seeds out with tweezers, all these tiny little things, put them in trays. And then I had to put them in the fridge and then the freezer for like a month and a half. I had to try and trick these things into thinking that they'd been through winter. It was this long process. And then I eventually, I took them out of the fridge, put them into different trays to warm them up and eventually hoped that they would germinate into lovely little saplings and then on into trees. This process was so labor intensive. Hours of seed preparation, months and months of waiting, and then more hours of painstakingly separating out these seeds, not to mention watering and all the money I spent along the way. Don't tell Kate. Um, <laughs> this, this process took like four months. But at the end, I finally had a bunch of trays with seeds in them because it didn't work. <laughs> not a single one of like the 40 little seed things that I had sprouted. In fact, a couple of weeds grew up in one of them. Um, it was a huge flop. I clearly have no idea what makes seeds grow. I mean, on paper, I'm pretty sure I did all of the right things. I followed some backyard gardening tutorial online, but it just didn't work. In this parable, Jesus says that it's not up to the person planting whether or not the seed grows. The seed grows by itself. But this isn't gardening advice. It's the secrets of the kingdom of God. And unlike my failed trees, the kingdom of God is growing. But the growth that is taking place is because of God. As humans, as mere sinful humans, we can't force these plants to grow. Sometimes it might seem like my trees, these trees that I tried to get to grow. You might be working at it, working at it, working at it, but nothing's happening. Let's say you speak to someone for years constantly inviting them to church, trying to share the gospel. You do everything right on paper. You're not too in their face about it. You just love them. You tell them about Jesus and they don't want a bar of it. And then other times, 
Perhaps you're a lot like the farmer in this parable. And it seems like you really just kind of go to sleep and you wake up and you don't do much. And someone you had perhaps overlooked is flourishing in their faith. Brothers and sisters, this parable does not mean that we should just pull up a chair, grab some popcorn and watch the field grow. That's not what this is encouraging us to do, no. We don't cause the field to grow, but we can still sow seeds. This parable is a call to action, but it's a call to humble action. Freed from the responsibility of whether the kingdom of God will grow, we can just tell people about Jesus. And if you believe that Jesus is the saviour of the world, if you believe that he died for your sins, then you are called to share that. If you don't yet believe it, then I would like to invite you to share in it with us. Those of you that believe we need to do our bit and then trust God to do his bit. Don't not tell someone about Jesus because you're worried that it will fail. That's not up to you. Just tell them. I'm sure if this parable was an actual scenario, that farmer would be out there watering his crops. He probably did till the soil before he put the seeds in. But the main point is that God is the one doing the growing. Don't take credit for that. He doesn't need us. If that's the heading, God doesn't need you. The subtitle is, but he wants you. If we can be a part of God's kingdom and the work that he's doing in the world around us, we should want to be. And this brings us to our second parable, because you might be sitting there and thinking to yourself, but Sam, it feels like Christianity is kind of in decline. I try and tell my family about Jesus and they don't miraculously fall in love with him. They're not saved. I tried to bring it up at my workplace and I was mocked. Uh, and ridiculed. People treat me like I'm stupid when I try to talk to them about God. And if I'm being honest, sometimes it doesn't feel like the seeds are growing. Let me tell you, I've, um, Mickey, Isaac, and I have been in youth ministry here for like nearly four years now. Crazy. Um, I've seen kids that I thought were on fire for Jesus, that I thought, I'm going to be rejoicing with you in heaven. And I've seen them get pulled away by the lure of the world. We like to think that it's like pornography and sex, but in reality, it's jobs and busyness. Kids get licenses. Things get more interesting than Jesus. I've spent hours at coffee shops and on Friday nights trying to till the soil, plant some seeds, pour out some water. But sometimes those seeds don't grow. On the flip side of that, I've also seen kids that I thought there was no hope for uh, in my own kind of sinful judgment. Um, it seemed like th this kid is never going to listen, never going to want to respond to the gospel. They're only hanging out here because their friends are here. They just think it's cool. They'll be gone within a couple of weeks. And I've seen them embrace the joy that Christ has to offer them in a world of shallow despair. I'm particularly thinking of a couple of boys um, that I've seen grow and change in their love for Jesus over the last couple of years. Um, and it was a hard slog at the start. 
And sometimes it felt like I was kind of asleep on the job. (laughs) It's God that does the growing. It's God that does the work. But it does remain true that sometimes it doesn't happen. You might say, where's the growth? Where is this kingdom of God? Well, in our second parable, Jesus further explains the kingdom. This is verses 31 and 32, if you have your Bibles open. It is like a mustard seed. This is the kingdom of God, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. The kingdom of God, this glorious kingdom, is like a tiny little seed that once planted grows into a huge plant. Now, in the culture of the time, um, admittedly today, we know of smaller seeds than mustard seeds, right? In the culture of the time, mustard seeds were renowned for their smallness. Not a great thing to be known for, but hey, any publicity is good publicity. Um, If you were playing the game Taboo, has anyone ever played that game? A couple of people, maybe. Um, It's the game where you have to guess a word that someone has on a little card, but then there's a bunch of other words that you can't say. Um, If you said the word small to someone, they would immediately say, mustard seed. That's the kind of association that they had. And so this parable, I think, is much simpler than the previous one. Because here, there is a clear comparison. When you look at the mustard seed, this tiny, insignificant thing, you cannot grasp the glory of the tree that it will become. And as Jesus is saying this parable, it couldn't be more true. At best, the people that know about Jesus at that time number in the thousands. And most of them, it's just in passing. Oh, did you hear about that weird Jesus dude? He heard Phil from around the corner the other day. He, like, made him stand up. It's crazy. At that point in time, what was the kingdom of God? Who were his people? They were a small fraction of a small group of people on a small country on our massive planet. The parable says garden plants. Uh, It might look at first glance in the garden like this little seed means nothing. Those carrots over there, they look great. Might take one of those. Those flowers over there, oh, so pretty. But the little mustard seed, who cares about the tiny seed? Well, God's kingdom may have started small. Jesus was, after all, one man, the son of God who died on a cross. But now, 2,000 years later, look at the tree that this little seed has become. 2.4 billion people out of the world's population profess to be Christian. That's the people that know the joy that Christ brings and are freed from sin. That's 30% of our entire world. And that number grows daily. You may hear that Christianity is in decline, but the facts just don't show it. In Africa and Asia, Christianity is booming. People are hearing the word of God and hearts and lives are being transformed as God's kingdom expands. From a tiny seed comes a mighty tree. And brothers and sisters, that tree is not finished growing. 
Even in just Jesus' ministry, when he is saying this parable, it is such a small movement. But within just a hundred years of this point, Jesus has died, he's risen from the dead, he's ascended into heaven, and churches are starting to pop up all over. Paul and Barnabas and others like them spread the word, they sow the seeds. God has grown his kingdom. People planted seeds, others have watered them, but God made them grow. So what now? God's growing some seeds. Cool. What do we do with that, Sam? Excuse me. I don't want to just stop at uh, an encouragement to say that Christianity isn't dead uh, and it's growing still. That would kind of be, it would be nice. But it would be a sad takeaway from today. Yay, Christianity, job done. Nah. Because I said after our first parable, don't overestimate yourself. But in that, don't underestimate God and what he can do through you. Jesus tells us in these parables that God will do his part. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to do yours. We need to be sowing seeds, watering the crop, and eventually reaping the harvest. You might think, oh no, I can't share Jesus with these people. Or this person. That's too scary. I don't have the skills or the ability. I'm not equipped to be able to share Jesus with these people. And I want to tell you that there's one thing that you do have, and that's Jesus. He is shaping and changing your life to be more like him. You should look different because you know him. If you don't, examine yourself. You can share that difference with others. That is a good starting point. Living life for him, living differently, loving others in situations where the world would tell you not to, forgiving where the world would tell you, you don't have to forgive that person, they wronged you. Showing love. But brothers and sisters, I think all too often, we stop there. We say, I'll show Jesus to those around me by being a good person. And that is all that you do. And if that is all that you do, you're probably failing. Because that's like walking around with a bag of seeds in your pocket and thinking, wow, I hope that the ground sees all the lovely seeds that I have and then goes out and buys itself some seeds of its own to plant and grow. It's ridiculous. If you trust in Jesus, then tell others. Start by just letting them know that you're a Christian. Understand what Jesus has done in your life and share that. I was convicted of this myself, that I walk into a lot of coffee shops over the course of a week. It's a bit of an addiction, might be a problem. Fix it one day, God willing. And not all of those coffee shops know that I'm a Christian. Not all of them know my name. I'm probably failing them. In what aspects of your life do people not know that you know Jesus? It's worth thinking about. And it's certainly worth doing something about.
You might still think, Sam, I can't reach everyone though. There are situations that I am not qualified to be in. There are situations that I'm not allowed to be in. Perhaps it's in another country. And that might be true. God doesn't give all of us every single spiritual gift. But think about what you can do. The whole reason we support missionaries here at Richmond Anglican Church is for that very reason. is because we can't all go overseas. But we have jobs. We can work and we can contribute. We can pray. Brothers and sisters, we are severely under our budget this year at church. Our finances aren't looking very good. We do a lot of great ministries. And we don't want that to stop. But as Steve said before, we do need to keep the lights on as well. It bears thinking about. If you constantly say, I don't have time to help with that ministry, I don't have time to volunteer, what are you filling that time with? If it's work, how can you use that for God? I have the joy of being employed part-time here um, to work for God's kingdom. And that is time that is freed up by the donations that people make to this church. Thank you. It is by God's grace that growth happens and we can all be a part of it. Perhaps you're sitting out there today and you don't yet know Jesus. Firstly, well done for sitting through a sermon about farming and seeds. Pat yourself on the back, I'm very impressed. Secondly, I want to invite you to rest in the great tree that is God's kingdom. Because it's growing and it's going to overshadow that garden. And so you want to be one of those birds nesting in the tree. Because in God's kingdom is grace, forgiveness and life and life to the full. Brothers and sisters, I hope you've been encouraged today to remember that God's kingdom is growing. Don't get proud and think that you've done anything special, don't pat yourself on the back and have a rest. Instead, trust that God is working and get up and allow him to work through you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us. Please give us courage to be able to share Jesus with those people in our lives. Please give us the strength to examine our own comfort and to step out of that, to grow your kingdom alongside you. Dear Lord, we know that you are doing the work, but please help us to be good at sowing those seeds, to be diligent at watering. And Lord, thank you that when we do that, we know that you will do your bit. In your son's name we pray. Amen.